morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's house today for celebration of Pentecost. The longest mowing my lawn yesterday listening to a podcast, the longest home run ever hit, if I heard this right, over the sound of my mower, was in the late 80s, about 570-some feet. I think the average is upper 300s, around 400, which means about that it was still rising where most averages reach the, uh, out of the park. That's incredibly, that's almost two football fields. When you and I, from a church history perspective, look at Pentecost and see just how far the Holy Spirit's work continues to go, it's miraculous. And it's still rising, reaching people's hearts and souls still today. Today we praise God and worship Him for Pentecost and bringing God's love to us in starting the Christian church. Order of service is found in your worship folder. This time we begin with the anthem sung by the small group. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God has made me. Where can I go from your Spirit? 
Where can I flee from your presence? The Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. Jesus said to his disciples, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh is earth to flesh, but the spirit is earth to spirit. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people, and kindle in us the fire of your Quench our thirst with the living water, 
that flows from our Lord Jesus Christ and channel those streams through us to everyone who is thirsty. For he lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. first lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, the events of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. Sermon today is based on these words from John chapter 14. Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the Gospel of our Lord. We join in the confession of faith. I believe that I cannot... But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, and wiped me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and leads it Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and fully forgives all sins to me and all believers. Please be seated for the hymn of the day, number 177. 
mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fellow believers in him. Back to normal again. Who doesn't want that? Normal life. Normal living. Normal sights. Normal sounds. Normal people, normal circumstances. Doesn't that sound incredible? Just one question. Whose normal do we use? It's eighth grade graduation in the second service today, and so if we look at the eighth graders, I think every one of them, from what I've talked to them, I think every one of them is excited for high school. And to be honest, we've done a fantastic job here at preparing them for high school. They are ready. But life for them is going to change. I don't want to scare them in the second service, maybe just a touch, but day one of high school is not going to feel normal. The first week of high school likely is not going to feel normal. Maybe even the first couple of weeks aren't going to feel normal, and they might have a couple of thoughts along the way of, I kind of wish I was back at St. Paul's, where I knew all the teachers, I knew all the students, I knew where to go, I knew what the schedule was. Everything was normal. Whose normal should we use? The normal before you had kids or the normal after you had kids? Should we use the normal back when you felt great in your health and you didn't have the ailments you do now? Should we use the normal prior to pandemic and prior to personal hardship that people have suffered? Can somebody explain to me this morning when exactly was normal? Our lesson for today is from John chapter 14. Jesus said these words on Monday, Thursday. Do you know what that means? It was the last normal day he had with his disciples. Good Friday certainly was going to be anything but normal. He died, was arrested. Easter Sunday was certainly miraculous and incredible and exciting, but it still didn't bring things back to normal, back to the way they used to be. And then 10 days ago, we just celebrated the ascension where Jesus defied gravity and ascended to sit at the right hand of God, ruling over all things as the God-man. That still didn't bring life back to normal for the disciples. You know what? If anybody, if anybody wanted normal and life back to normal, it would have been the disciples. They would have loved to have their teacher back. Their leader. The one who knew how to stand up and speak out and just silence the Pharisees. The one who stood beside them day by day and was their friend. The one who could stand up from a nap and, and stand in a rickety, shaky boat and with a single word, silence the wind and the waves, just like that. The one who understood them in their mind and in their hearts and what was going on in their lives and could just speak so authoritatively and help them grow in the word of God. And, and the one who at times knew how to stand apart from them 
and call each and every one of them on their sin when they were bigger than their britches and getting out of line. Who's left on earth who can fill those shoes? Jesus is ascended and in heaven. Who's now going to carry that out for the disciples? There isn't anybody. And so the answer is, God must. God has to step in. And he does. He sends the promised Holy Spirit to bring them and to bring all who hear the message back to normal again. Well, how can I say that? How can Pentecost bring things back to normal again? It's because the substitute teacher, the Holy Spirit, is the exact same as the Son of God. The Holy Spirit says the exact same things Jesus did. The Holy Spirit recounts all of the events from the life of Jesus Christ and portrays them for the world. It's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the I am statements of Jesus, of the parables of Jesus, of everything that Jesus taught and said during his ministry. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what he's supposed to do. And that's exactly what Jesus in John chapter 14 promised the Holy Spirit would do when he said, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. My father-in-law teaches people how to accurately measure fish when they hear a fish story. When somebody tells you exactly how big their fish was, my fish was this big. He says, actually, you're supposed to measure it by these. <coughs> See, there's something about people is that sometimes we stretch the truth. There's something about people and that sometimes when we remember the past, we distort the past. And we whitewash it, even our own childhoods. And sometimes when we think about the past, we think that was normal when really it wasn't necessarily the way things were supposed to be. Jesus understands that when it comes to his disciples and when it comes to people. That is the entire point of Pentecost. He is not going to leave, as so many people in the world today believe about the word of God, he is not going to leave the events of his life and everything that happened that he did to these 12 disciples who are sinful like everybody else, who misremember, who stretch the truth, who don't get the stories right. They're like every, any and every other human being that way. And so he wasn't going to leave this up to them. That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit. He sends the Spirit to tell the events, to remind them exactly of what happened, so that they hear exactly. And through them, the world hears exactly what God once said about the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on earth for every single sinner in the world. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't lie. The Holy Spirit never distorts the truth. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a problem with his memory and recounting these events that Jesus did. He loves to tell people about Jesus. 
these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing have life in his name. The Holy Spirit had that written so that we would see Jesus Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that brought the Bible to be what it is, the Word of God for us to read in its entirety, completely infallible and reliable with every single word. So reliable is the witness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus in promising Pentecost would happen. He calls God the Holy Spirit. He calls him the advocate. Um, he also, with that same word, calls him the helper. Or he calls him the paraclete. Or he calls him the comforter. All four of those words are the same translation for this Greek word. The problem with that Greek word is that it's like the German word Gesundheit. How do you translate Gesundheit into English? Not well. There's a lot to it. My German professor said it's a whole lot more than healthiness, but that would be the literal translation, and that's so wooden in English. The Greek word for paraclete or helper or advocate is a tough word to bring across with a single word in English, and so all four of those words are used in various translations, and they're all accurate. The history of that Greek word means somebody who would take up another person's case, another person who was accused, that person, the helper, would take up their case in a court of law. But the advocate would take it a step further. The advocate would actually make the pitch. The advocate would actually plead your case in court. Do you see then with what the Holy Spirit has come to earth to do? Do you see what the Holy Spirit is looking to do for you? He's here to plead your case. Not only to the Lord, but with these scriptures, he is here to plead the case of Jesus Christ to you. He wants you to hear these very things of what the life of Christ is about and who it's for. Do you know why? Because you're a sinner. And you still are. And so am I. Do you understand in the court case of God's room, the facts of the case haven't changed. We haven't changed our stripes. Sinners are still sinners. And the Holy Spirit is here to tell you the facts about Jesus haven't changed either. They're for you. But you know what people so often do with the facts of Jesus Christ? They move on from it. They've heard them all before. Well, Pastor, yeah, one time I was in grade school and I was an eighth grader and I heard these lessons and... In, uh, in the classrooms, and I heard them at Sunday school, and you know what? Pastor, now I'm a ninth grader. I don't need these anymore. Pastor, I'm too educated for this. Don't you know I'm going to UW-Wisconsin? Don't you know I'm, uh, I'm going to Madison? I'm going to Green... I'm going, I'm going places with this great... Edu these professors at these universities, they know their stuff. I mean, they've studied evolution. They, they've studied the Bible. They know all about the Bible's mistakes. They know that people wrote this stuff and this is not reliable and they are very, very smart. Pastor, I'm too, uh, 
I'm too important for this. I make a six-figure salary now, and I, I just... I just don't see how I can give the time for this. Pastor, I'm too old for this. I've seen too much life. I've seen that the Bible just doesn't do any good. I've seen how these stories create more tension in the world than help. And so I'm done. I'm too disappointed. I don't need the teacher. I don't need the counselor. I don't need the helper. I don't need what this has to offer. And so you know what the ramifications are? <sighs> Worship life diminishes appreciation for God and God's people and for eternal life plummets and faith faith fails and that means the world wins and you lose Jesus talked about that when he said peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world gives this is a very important passage and I need to illustrate this a little differently this morning does anybody here have a denomination, a, a, a bill, a five, a ten, preferably a fifty or a hundred? <laughs> Some cash? A five? Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to play a little game this morning. It's going to be, guess which hand this is in, and if you guess right, you get it back. Okay? Ready? Wrong. <laughs> but it's not in that one either. And she guessed that. She guessed it. Honestly, it's a kid's game. But you need to understand, and the eighth graders in the second service need to understand this today too. When the world presents or promises something to you, even if you win in the short term, you're going to lose. It's going nowhere good. The entire thing the world does, it's a game. It's based on a half-truth. It's a long con, and at the end of the world's promise is something that's empty-handed. They have nothing to give. Their promises are hollow. They have nothing to say about what comes after death. They don't know. They've never been there. And so you are going to lose. Even if a smart professor at Madison says that. Something different. Jesus doesn't give that way. And Jesus doesn't give garbage. Jesus gives peace. And he proclaims peace to each and every one of you. And you've experienced it in your life. You see, there are times already we've felt fallen for what the world has to offer, haven't we? And we've learned the hard way that sin doesn't pay. And do you know what the Holy Spirit did? The Holy Spirit told us again a part of the Bible. Whether from another Christian or maybe from church, could have even been online. And told us about our sin and convinced us by speaking authoritatively to our head and heart. And turned us from it back to Jesus, which he loves to do to see what Jesus did for that sin, led us to repent, and Jesus again gave peace. 
forgiveness. How many times haven't we gone to the Lord, Lord, I know better, I'm not going to do that sin, I've learned my lesson, I'm really sorry for it, I am not going to go back to that, and we did. We did again. And the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, brought to us a lesson we learned in Sunday school, brought to us a lesson we learned in grade school, maybe even adult Bible study. Maybe we've heard that lesson 30 or 40 or 50 times. One of Jesus' parables, maybe the one about the prodigal son. But it was new again because we saw ourselves there in God talking to us, which he is, every time we open the Bible. And so it was new to us and applied anew to us and it caused us to turn from that sin again to our Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus gave peace and proclaimed peace. Do you understand when somebody gives a gift... Generally speaking, it means it's in the possession of one person, they have something, they own something, and that gift is extended and offered and placed in the hands, in a manner of speaking, of somebody else, and now it belongs to that other person, so that it's yours, that you have it. How do you know? You need to ask Jesus to open up each of his hands. It doesn't matter which one. They will look on the one they have pierced, the Bible says. Jesus still has those holes in his hands. Even when you see him in glory one day, the proof is right there in his hands that he does not give to us as the world gives. The life of Jesus offers and gives to us real peace. The life of Jesus, the Holy Spirit tells us about, gives us real forgiveness for all of our sin. It's the life of Jesus that gives us strength to go into this world and live for God with all the strength he offers. That's normal. That's back to normal again when Christians are grounded there in the peace we actually have in the courtroom of God for Jesus' sake. Jesus says then at the end of John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Greek word for be troubled means to be stirred up. The Greek word for to be afraid means to act cowardly. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid means don't act like stirred up cowards. That's not normal. That's not Christian. That's not the truth the Holy Spirit brings to us. That's not the new life that we have in Christ. That's not what little Emran's going to get in between the services today. The Holy Spirit teaches us to hold to Jesus Christ. How do you do that? How do you hold to Christ? Well, you don't graduate. I did a word search in the Bible, searched the entire Bible through the software program that I have. Did you know the Bible never uses the term graduate? It's because it's an academic term. It's not a spiritual one. There's nothing wrong with the term graduate. But spiritually speaking, Christians don't graduate until you die and go to heaven for Jesus' sake. That maybe is a graduation. But on earth, we never graduate. <clears throat> and so the Bible uses terms like grow and mature and be blameless and live a holy life. <clears throat> Crave pure spiritual milk. It teaches us to go after the word of God, to cling to it, to grow in it, 
to let the Holy Spirit speak to us authoritatively and to hear it. And to trust that we actually have the peace of God through Jesus Christ. And with all of our breaths, to hold to it all of our days. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is all about. So that every day, by the word of God, we're back to normal again. Between us and God. Knowing exactly who we are. Knowing exactly what family we're in, his family, and knowing exactly where we're going for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We sing the Create in Me. Holy Spirit, teach us and lead us by your word. Tell us over and over about our Lord Jesus and his love. Remind us time and again about our Heavenly Father and all he's done for us, revealed in Christ. Repeat it so often that, that we recognize how abnormal it is when it's distorted. When someone tries to lead us away from it, or as this world seeks to even replace it with their own ideas. Your word is truth. Let us raise our children in it, like Emran Theobald, baptized today. We praise you for claiming her as your own. Teach her to hold to Jesus all her days. Remind our members about Jesus' rule, his tender care, and his almighty power, so that Linda Haman, who found out a couple days ago that she has cancer, that she's neither stirred nor cowardly, but remains at your peace. Lord, please help her. And these eighth graders, so ready from one standpoint to go on and from another, they have no idea. Shine, Lord, the lamp of your word for their feet and put light on their path. Go with them all their days so that when the day comes, they go with you. It's in your name we pray as we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Follow the direction of the ushers as they bring you forward. <coughs> 